0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Trans-Evolution, and he's one of the world's... Uh,
0: Could he be considered uh, an expert on the Bilderbergs? He is,
1: he is probably the foremost expert on the Bilderbergs, and um, we're, we're, uh, we're happy to have him on again. Uh, we had him on uh, several years ago as well, and um, when he came out with the Bilderbergers, we had him on again uh, last year when he came out with um, his latest book, The Trans-Evolution, uh, Trans and... Uh, And uh, now we uh are glad to have him back. But tonight he's going to talk about the documentary that he's doing about the Bilderbergers. Right? Mm-hmm. And um for those of you who don't know what the Bilderbergers are, they're He's gonna uh, tell
0: us about it.
1: He will yeah, he will inform us but um so you know, um they're probably the most elitist group uh in the world uh that uh you know, involve uh, that are uh, well, they have a huge
0: influence a, on policies influence of all nations yeah. and everything else. And, but he uh, can tell us a yeah. little bit of the history and and really how much influence they do have. And he'll talk about the uh, upcoming uh, documentary, too. Which we're interested right. in. But in the meantime, maybe we can cover a few different no, topics. a lot of interesting stuff tonight. And do. here's a good thing. Fear dominates politics, media, and human existence in America, and it's getting worse.
1: Yeah, you've already died. I think I read that's it, true.
0: pretty long, though. Only a little bit of it, anyway, because yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's true, and it's something we should all think about. Let's see. Let me go to see if I can get that up there. This is from the alternate. Fear is the mind killer, that's Frank Herbert. People cannot think clearly when they are afraid, as numerous studies have shown. Fear is the enemy of reason. It distorts emotions and perceptions and often leads to poor decisions. For people who have suffered trauma, fear messages can sometimes trigger uncontrollable flight or fight responses with dangerous ramifications. Yet over time, many interlocking aspects of our society have become increasingly sophisticated at communicating messages and information that produce fear responses. Advertising, political ads, news coverage, and social media all send the constant message that people should be afraid, very afraid. In addition, television and film are filled with extreme violence and millions of fictional deaths, far out of proportion to what really happens in life, as researchers have pointed out. And more recently, we have witnessed the massive militarization of local police departments with equipment, gear, and attitudes that treat citizens as if they were terrorists, as recently evidenced by the events in Ferguson, Missouri. Many militarized police raids have gone wrong and taken the lives of hundreds, while police violence against often unarmed people results in unnecessary deaths and injuries every day. All this despite statistics indicating that in most parts of the country the crime rate is actually on the decline. Fear is so pervasive that experts have made the case we live in in a generalized culture of fear, also the name of a book by Barry Glasner, which underscores the fact that we often fear the wrong things and incredibly out of proportion to reality. Statistics show you have a much higher chance of being killed by lightning than by a terrorist. We at Alternet feel our society is overrun with a destructive and growing social preoccupation with fear. This fear breeds more violence, mental illness, and trauma, social disintegration, job failure, loss of workers' rights, and much more. Pervasive fear ultimately paves the way for an accelerating authoritarian society with increased police power, legally codified oppression, invasion of privacy, social control, social anxiety, and PTSD, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. And so um, this is this is quite a long article, and if you want to yeah. go to it. Um, yeah, why don't we, uh, there's a couple of things that I'd rather talk about. Uh, let me just good. tell people where they can go. They can go to the alternate, Fear in America and
1: it's by Don Hazen. Yeah. Well, here's the you know for for those of you who may or may not know I, I I'm assuming everyone listening to this show probably does, but they've heard about uh Bibi Netanyahu uh you know talking at uh, at Congress today. And uh you know, it's for those of you who uh, are curious. Uh when you hear Netanyahu's speech today, remember that the once he told that once that he once told uh, us that Iran was three to five years away from building a nuclear bomb. That was in 1992. All right. Now you know you want to build a concept, building up a concept of fear. All right. This is what he's here for. Don't fall for it. Netanyahu is proven liar and a warmonger. In 2012, spy cables revealed that Mossad, Israeli spy agency, concluded that Iran was not producing. Um, uh, Iran was not producing uh, 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 nuclear bombs.
0: Let okay. me ask you this question: How many countries has Iran invaded? None. how many bombs have they dropped None. on countries?
1: Right, but it says, but yes, yeah, uh, you know, how many have have uh, Israel invaded? Dozens, okay. And how many have they? How many bombs have they dropped? thousands upon thousands, all Right? So don't fall for it. Netanyahu is a proven liar. Again, in 2012, spy cables revealed that the Mossad, Israeli spy agency, concluded that Iran was not producing nuclear weapons, despite Netanyahu's uh, hysterical warnings to the U.N., not to mention that in 2002 he lobbied America to invade Iraq and citing Iraq's nonexistent nuclear weapons program. And said it would have a great positive impact on the Middle East. Wrong, wrong, and wrong again. And that's Netanyahu's uh, history of. And
0: remember, uh, he's up for election in uh, Israel. Yeah, he's and up for election for in,
1: in, in in just a few days, and we're voting, and we're and uh, Obama is trying to unseat him over there. Okay.
0: Well, the guy's a loose cannon. Now, also Netanyahu
1: said to the Jews, basically American Jews, he said. Uh, get lost, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was interesting. My mother Jones said this um,
0: article. Um, oh, yeah. Netanyahu, Netanyahu yeah. to American Jews get lost. It was not yeah. so shocking that the House Speaker, John uh, Boehner, whoops, uh, you know, we got something here, invited Netanyahu. Uh, Netanyahu to undermine Barack Obama and his attempt to negotiate a nuclear deal with Iran by inviting Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu to deliver an address to Congress, in which Netanyahu will presumably dump on Obama's efforts, yes. Nor was it so shocking that Netanyahu apparently would rather see another war in the Middle East than a deal that allows Iran to maintain a civilian-oriented and internationally monitored nuclear program. Agreed to um, mount this stunt two x before the Israeli election, a close context,
2: contest
0: in which the hawkish PM is fighting for his political life. Certainly, Netanyahu realized that his audacious move would strain his already ragged ties with the ties with the Obama administration and tick off the president, who will be in office for the next two years and, and quite able to inconvenience. Netanyahu should he hold on to power. But what was surprising was how willingly Netanyahu was to send a harsh message to American Jews, drop dead. Um,
1: For the past past six years, one big question has largely defined U.S. politics. Are you for or against Obama? The ongoing narrative in Washington has been a simple one. The president has... Tried to enact a progressive agenda, health care, gun safety, blah, 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 blah.
2: I, the, the rest
1: of this is pretty crap. Uh, you know, Netanyahu is here and basically to just, says, uh, just tells everybody to take a hike. He doesn't care. All right. Jews have voted for Obama in strong numbers. In 2008, Obama drew 74% of the Jewish vote, maybe up to 78%. In
0: 2012,
1: he won about 69%. Yes, there was a drop-off, but it was consistent with a broader decline within other constituencies.
0: Okay? So he's popular
1: So he's still popular there. All right? So, but, but Netanyahu has been t- giving a finger to everybody, mm-hmm. all right? And, um, you know, and, and he did it again. But, you know, I don't really – nobody really likes this guy. They just don't – they're just afraid to be anti-Jewish, you know what I mean? And so they're supporting his idiot self but I think that I think the funny thing one thing I wanted to mention tonight there's uh, a bunch of things that hopefully we might have time for um, but the the one of the, the, the I had it up here I posted fifty six guys who did not attend uh his uh his big uh, rally speech. Uh, speech today and um I thought it was interesting there were so many uh Zionists all right. That didn't, and uh, this this woman, she's she the biggest idiot there ever was. If you listen to what she said, it was just totally. It's, Nancy Pelosi said Netanyahu's speech had me near tears because U.S. intelligence was insulted. You know, <laughs> I, a bit I, of a dramatic, is she? She's an idiot. Uh, what she said was so stupid it didn't even make sense. But I wanted to, to mention this because. I had the 56 names.
0: Mm. Here they are. Is here is a list of 56 oh, yeah, Democrats oh, who yeah. are not attending Netanyahu's speech. Yeah, seats.
1: yeah it, it's really, it was really an interesting thing because if you, you read some of these, like Elizabeth Warren, She's, a, she's, she's come out and say, we love Israel, we're devoted Here's a, uh, here's
0: a list yeah. of Democrats who do yes. not plan on attending this controversial speech. Al Franken, Elizabeth Warren. Now, if, now,
1: now, now, now before you go through, let, let's 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 uh, show. Al Franken is a Jew. He's mm-hmm. a Zionist. He's four pros. He's pro-Israel. He's pro-everything. All right. Elizabeth Warren has come out as pro-Israel. Okay. Uh Tim Kane, I don't know who he is. Patrick Lee he's pro Israel too. Bernie Sanders definitely he's Jewish. He's definitely pro, pro Israel. He's come out totally pro Israel. Um, and uh there's a there's a ton of other guys here, most of whom nobody's ever heard of. Louis Gutierrez? he's he's an advocate for uh you know, immigration advocate. These are all
0: Democrats. Yeah, so most of them are Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh and they are all Democrats. Really, yeah. Not all of them. They yeah, it says
1: a list of Democrats. Oh, Democrats, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Charlie Rangel. Uh, most of these people you never heard of, okay? And uh, I never heard of them. They're all representatives from someplace. Uh,
0: but, uh, One of the states, obviously. Yeah, yeah
1: Florida, North Carolina, Indiana. They should, Peter DeFazio, Oregon. Okay? We but, should check uh, and see if our guests... But, are. you know, of all, of all of these people, most of them are, you know, whatever. We have our guest on. He has just called in, and let's go live to uh, Daniel Estiman. Hello. Good evening, Hello. Daniel. Hello. How are you? Yes, hi.
0: How are you?
3: How, how are, you? are you?
0: Very
1: good. I'm uh, very well. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much for, for, for being on our program. Yes, uh,
0: I'm Lila. I'm here with Leo. Yeah.
1: Nice you, to you, have you remember. on, Daniel.
3: Again. Uh, thank you so much hi. for the invitation. Yes,
1: thank you. Um, what I wanted to ask you, well, you're doing a documentary uh, on uh, on on the Bilderberg, and uh, when, how, when is
0: that set to know, be
1: released? Are you uh, are you near are you near completion, or is it about ready to come off? Well,
3: are we on are we on the radio now, or are we just talking with amongst ourselves? We're on live.
1: Yes, we're on we're on live now.
3: Okay, very good. Well, again, thank you very much for the invitation. It's great to be on the show. The uh, documentary will be out uh, end of May, early June. It's something we've been working on for the last four years. Uh, It's based on my book, The True Story of the Bilderberg Book of the Bilderberg Group. And it's actually, I think, the first uh, documentary based on a book. As you know, most documentaries are not based on books. They're based on on events, on on particular occurrences, on people, but not on books. And uh, uh, because when the book first came out, uh, ten years ago, it's actually the tenth anniversary in September of uh the publication of the true story of the Buildable Group, uh it immediately became an international bestseller and uh um people in a way discovered, know, uh, that there was this secret society or you, know, you, know, you know, should we say private organization that kinda of ran a lot of these events that you know, we see around us from behind the scenes and uh Well, there's before, and you know, I wasn't the first person to talk about Bilderberg. Jim Tucker, who died a couple of years back, uh, he talked about it back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Uh, And even before him, uh, uh, Spotlight magazine talked about it back in the early 1960s. But I think what I did in my book uh, on the Bilderberg group is uh, I made it, I guess, you know, popular or cool to talk about it. Well, there's for a long, long time, it's always been, you know, fodder of conspiracy theories of, of, of you know, extremists on one side of the spectrum or the other, of you know, <clears throat> you have uh, uh, people, you know, just making all kinds of, you know, crazy stuff up. Uh, in my book, because <clears throat> it came with over 120 pages of documents and photographs and, you know, inside sources that I've developed over the years. That you know it was a lot more credible, and you know a lot of the things that I explained, I went to great you know pains making it sound as as uh you know, descriptive and as logical uh-huh. and uh eliminating you know any any kind of a whiff of of a conspiracy i when people read it, a lot of that stuff made sense you know they they still were not willing to accept a lot of the findings, you know, the fact that presidents that you elect do not preside over anything, for example, the (laughs) media. They don't tell you exactly what's going on anywhere. And uh, the government, you know, run the drug trade and all this other kind of stuff. But uh, it certainly made people sit up and, you know, listen and pay attention. And basically what we've done with the documentary is uh, bring the story, you know, to the big screen, and uh, it is going to be a – Quite a story because the idea is to release it worldwide simultaneously at the end of maybe beginning of June. We have a lot I of film festivals interested.
0: I think a lot of people will Go be ahead. very interested. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is maybe you could share with with our listeners uh how the Bilderberg group came about and how old that group really is. This isn't a this isn't a new group. This has been around for a long time. <clears throat>
3: <clears throat> oh Bilderberg is uh uh, they uh, the the first meeting the initial meeting uh, actually took place in 1954 and the reason it's called the Bilderberg Group is that the first time they met they met at the Bilderberg Hotel in Ulsterbeck, uh, and in uh, on the outskirts of Amsterdam hotel that in the early 1950s was uh, owned by the uh, Dutch royal family and uh, is you know so the name stuck and you know they became the Bilderberg Group. And i tell you one thing, I'm very glad that they called the Bilderberg Group because imagine if they had met in a Best Western Hotel. You know, I don't (laughs) think I'd be, like, you know, writing a bestseller, you know, the true story of the best, you know, Best Western, you know, hotel group. (laughs) So, but, uh, you know, Bilderberg uh, as itself, as the group itself, you know, it was a very important element of the oligarchical structures of the Cold War period. And I guess that in and of itself is, is a pretty significant factor because what it was meant was is that it was a vehicle through which <clears throat> private financier oligarchical interests were able to impose their policies on what is... <clears throat> excuse me, I've been doing so many interviews that you know I'm, I'm losing my voice. They've been able to impose their policies on what is nominally sovereign governments. There was, one of the more scandalous elements of this buildable conspiracy is that it was heavily populated by people... Who came out of the old World War II Nazi apparatus and uh, who were basically cleaned up and dusted off and deployed to become a hardcore of the Cold War anti-Soviet structures in the West. And one of these Nazi characters is actually the founder of the Bilderberg Group, Prince Bernard, who was married to uh, a Queen Julianne, and that's why he married her because you know one of the ways is to cover up your past is you know by marrying a, a Dutch queen. But uh, Prince <laughs> Bernardo was always a Nazi, a hardcore Nazi. And, uh, you know, he remained a Nazi to his dying day.
0: <clears throat> how does the person become a member of this special group?
3: Well, you know, it's like with any secret society. A delivery is not a secret society. It's much more, much less uh, secret and more, more private with well, any of these kinds of organizations, be it nations, be it, you know, private organizations, they kind of tap you. They, you know, they ask you to join and you tell them yes or so you tell them no. And most of the time, most people say yes, obviously, because, um, you you know, it, it's, it's, aside from the fact that uh, you have this great way of networking with some very important people, it also opens up a lot of doors, if, you know, if you're smart enough to, you know, take advantage of of, of the situation. So, uh, what, you know, I hear a lot of people saying that, you know, you know these people are, meeting in secret and you know they're secretive and why do they do that yeah, but you know if, if you kind of think about it, it everything out there is secret whether you know the president of the United States is meeting with his uh, you know the senior advisors or you have <coughs> a board of governors of a corporation or you have you know a trilateral commission meeting or you know you have your, your regional council meeting at you know your town hall or town hall whatever they call it in the United States or you have European Commissioners meeting, or Council of Relations, or International Monetary Fund, or World Bank, or you know any of these, uh, n- you know nondescript NGOs or, or think tanks like you know Hudson and, and, and Hoover and and, uh, and Ford and Carnegie and Rockefeller Foundations. <clears throat> all of these organizations, they all meet in secret. You know, so it's not like you know Bilderberg meets in secret. They all meet in secret, and we never know what <clears throat> they're talking about. So it kind of makes a lot of sense. You know, the powerful people are going to sit around the table with other powerful people. And, you know, right. Rockefeller is not going to sit, you know, with some, you know, toilet cleaner, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I wouldn't sit with a toilet cleaner either. But the point is, is that at these meetings, what happens is, is that they kind of pick people who can advance the 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 objectives of this organization. And uh, you have to understand that the attendees to the Bilderberg Conference, you have Obviously, you have, you know, important politicians. Building like Bilderberg itself is, is your former NATO alliance, Western Europe, Canada, and the United States. You have other organizations that, you know, encompass other parts of the world and other interests, but Bilderberg is your Western, you know, NATO alliance, Western Europe, United States, and Canada. Nobody else comes in. And so, you, you know, you're going to have uh secretary of the state, you know, Kissinger, for example. Henry Kissinger has been there many, many times. Zbigniew Brzezinski has been there, you know, George Soros, uh, Rockefeller, and so on and so forth the sitting president of the United States never comes because you know it's just too much for a sitting president to go. But for example Hillary Clinton, she went to a, a to the meeting uh, in uh, at a buildover conference once she was a Secretary of State and uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton both went before he became president. If you remember that famous incident where he kinda of disappeared out of the plane or well, he disappeared and then he kinda appeared of at a Buildover conference. So, you know, uh, Bill Clinton was invited in 1991 to Baden-Baden in Germany, where uh, David Rockefeller explained to him this whole thing about North America Free Trade Agreement, which Clinton didn't know anything about. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, he said to Rockefeller that he would support it if, if, you know, David Rockefeller wanted his support, and Rockefeller said, yes, we do. And, you know, before you know it, Clinton becomes the president of the United States. So there's lots of these kinds of situations uh, then you have the obviously, you know, some of the biggest, most important economic moguls and and bankers and and financiers, you know, leading newspaper <coughs> directors or executives are there: New York Times, Washington Post, uh, you know, Time magazine, and, you know, directors from CNN and, and you know Fox. They all go to these meetings. Of course, none of it comes out in public because the whole idea of Bilderberg is is whatever said, you know, within the walls of of any hotel where they're meeting stays there, never comes out. Uh, so these are the kinds of individuals that go there and so if you can offer you as a person can offer something because you're brilliant in what you do at your craft or your great speaker you have you know brilliant career in front of you or a politician that needs a little push you know and a shove and a nudge in the right direction and you know you may become the Supreme Court Justice or or you know a minister or, or, or a secretary it's some important uh, organization and obviously, they're going to be invited, they're going to watch you, they're going to pay attention to what you're saying, they're going to listen to you, they're going to talk about you when you're not there. It's That's how things work in you know, the real world, you know, so to say that Bilderberg is evil because they meet in private, you know, everybody meets in private, it's, you know, nobody meets in public, you know, which is why, you know, policies are decided behind closed doors. I'm not apologizing for it, I'm just saying that it's the logical thing to do, and which is, again, one of the reasons why my book became what it is, because the things that I say, they, you know, just perfect sense, you know, just wasn't like some kind of a kooky, wacky, off-the-wall, you know, voodoo conspiracy theory. No, it's not like that. all. No, there's no, like, you know, the idea that people have, they have these four old geezers sitting in a dark room, holding hands, staring at a crystal ball, planning the world's domination. It's not like that. It's a, you know, four-day meeting once a year, and needless to say, you're not going to reach any consensus beyond, you know, these very, you know, basic points, no? But these discussion points uh, have been kind of passed on from one meeting to another, from one organizational, you know, group to another, from Council of Foreign Relations to Dallas, from Dallas to International Monetary Fund, from International Monetary Fund to the Trilateral Committee, regional meeting, you know, from the Trilateral Community regional meeting to, you know, to uh, World Bank meeting, you know, to the Council of Ministers in Europe. And before you know it, Something which might have been discussed in one of these meetings becomes a policy that the United States president proposes to Congress becomes what you know International Monetary Fund uses a, an adjustment program, financial program for you know for Argentina and Nigeria, and before you know it becomes law in, in European Union, and, and that's how it works in the real world. But but what's interesting is, and, and I'm not I'm I'm not reducing. The, the the level of responsibility these people have to the world. What I do in the film, the documentary on, on the true story of the Bilderberg Group, is I show some of the more dramatic elements of these meetings and how they have affected the world, such as, for example, the 1973, uh, you know, oil price hike and how that embargoes, you know, came as a direct result of what was discussed at the Bilderberg meeting in May 1973, for example.
1: I was surprised... Um but I, I wanted to ask you how much of the um, uh in your documentary will you be having interviews with people do you have um um uh mostly your reports do you have uh, film footage of, of these people or different things how how have you um uh how have you produced this or directed this
3: uh, Oh, Absolutely actually you know we've gone we've uh, spent right now over $200,000 of our own money it's a project which has been you know up and running for the past four years. The first producer of the documentary was bankrupted by the banks when you know if you believe in conspiracy theories or coincidence theories, you know a producer who was a very well off man and who liked the idea of social justice uh was uh, ruined when three banks called in his loans on the same day and uh you know the the uh, before that you know it was an American producer who wanted to produce the film and he started getting some very you know terrifying phone calls at his home. And he just told us that, you know, he was out. He, you know, he couldn't deal with it. And um, and so we put, you know, two hundred thousand dollars of our own money towards the project. We've traveled, and we, you know, we've gone to eleven countries to interview people to document. Uh, and uh, you know, we got some amazing footage and interviews. We, you know, went to the United States and Canada. Uh, we've traveled to England and uh, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, you know, to the Bilderberg Hotel. Uh, the original hotel, you know, to to Brussels, to the European Parliament, Spain, Portugal, Italy, France, Germany. So, you know, we've done uh, a lot of traveling, a lot of interviews with some amazing people. And we have some amazing footage, you know, not to mention all the material of my, you know, my own personal material that I have. And we're right now actually in the post-production. We have about three weeks to go. And we do have the, you know, crowdfunding campaign because, you know, we kind of are running out of money and we have a little bit more to go and uh you know if if I can very 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 quickly just mention it I'd very much appreciate it. Please
1: do, yeah. Yeah, please
3: do. It's uh you know if, if uh we need about another twenty thousand dollars to finish this and you know we have some really top people helping us with color and sound and and uh, you know some some elements of uh, of animation. And uh you know if people have a little bit of they go to Rocket Hub just type in Bilderberg and you know if you can donate five ten dollars each and you know just get us over this little hump. We're going to finish this film one way or another anyway. We've got about three weeks to go, but it's just going to make it that much better. And it's you know you can see the trailer on the site. And uh, you know if Edward Snowden won this year the 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 uh, the Oscar for Citizen Four, and then you know well congratulations because obviously his service to the world has been you know it's, it's been questionable. I think it's the right time you know in the history of mankind where there's uh, social awareness is kind of sweeping over the world and you know to think that organizations such as Bilderberg have had a very important uh, effect you know, on, on the development of, of humanity over the past 60 years so if we can get their story into the uh, you know the onto the silver screen and, and get people to understand that this is real and just how real it is because one thing is a book but another thing is a film and you can certainly make it visual and you know visual effects have a uh, uh, you know uh, ever- everlasting effect on 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 the audience and and that's what we want because in the end it's 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 not just the film itself it's you know you the repercussions it? of the film here into the future.
1: What company or how would you, how will you be distributing? What how will this be distributed?
3: This. Uh, well, we actually have a distributor it? which we can't mention right now because it's uh, the deal hasn't been signed yet. But we do have a distributor and we have. 11 film festivals, international film festivals, four of them, very, very large film festivals who are interested in having the film. One of the film festivals I can name, it's Lokalva Film Festival in Switzerland. It's actually the third or well, the fourth most important, biggest film festival in the world. And, you know, they've they expressed tremendous interest in the film. And we have film festivals in Russia, uh, in Moscow, in St. Petersburg, and, we have a lot of film festivals around the world who are very, very interested in governments such as the Russian government who's very keen, you know, to uh to, to uh you know, to get this film out there because obviously, you know, the story is important and uh it shows how a very group group of very powerful men and women can do a lot of damage to the world's economy to the world lives of people when they get together and you know, they use their power towards a not so good end.
1: So, so the
3: Putin government is 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 in support of this documentary and in support of It's not movie. that the Putin government is. In yeah, it's not that Putin is in support of the guy. I think he knows this documentary exists, but certainly the I you know the the ministries in charge of you know cultural affairs, people you know who are, who work with film festivals, they certainly have a lot of interest in getting this from out there, and also in the United States, we're getting very important film festivals who are very keen to get this out, as well as in Europe, uh, three or four large film festivals. So, you know, we can't talk about this. You know, we've been told not to until the deal is signed, and you know, they they're gonna announce it first. But uh, again, you know, if uh, I've reached out not only to uh, important politicians and then you know former uh, presidential candidates of the United States who are participating in the film, but also I reached out to the most important, you know, who's who of the Bilderberg organization as well. And needless to say, all of them told me no, and I have some e- very, you know, funny emails, such as an email I got from uh, Martin Wolf. who's a Pulitzer-winning investigative journalist for the uh, uh, for the uh, Financial uh, Financial Times. And, uh, and you know, he basically said uh, in his email, he said, how dare you make a documentary about the Bilderberg Group? <laughs> well, not only are we going to make a documentary, but I'm going to put that email on the big screen so people can see it for themselves.
1: You know, I was going to ask you this, Daniel, uh, because... About two years ago i believe it was when the financial times um uh did a, a one of the financial Times writers came out it was very very big news that he came out to say that there was an international conspiracy and, and can, uh uh that was um that that was involved in the collapse and the, the, um, the in the um uh, the financial collapse and uh they, I was very shocked when I when I read that, and uh, and uh, he, I don't know, he never really said anything again, but he was, but the Financial Times too was the first to, uh, to quote, uh, that there was over how many trillions of dollars uh, of American dollars from the Federal Reserve were sent over to bail out the European banks, all right, and. Uh, and and that was shocking too. So I'm kind of surprised that that uh, they would attack you for doing uh, for doing something like that. For
3: your no, life. they're not attacking me. I mean, they initially, initially they tried to you know dissuade me from doing it. And try you know try to pay me off in 2003 in Versailles, in France, when the Bilderberg's met. And but you know it, in in the end, it's uh, it's uh, it's not so much a question of money. It's a question of you know of durability. It's also a question of of, you know, what one thinks is important in life, and I think the life of my children is, is, is a lot more important than any zeros they can throw at me, and, you know, as a matter of fact, I still have a check, you know, that, that, you know, that the emissaries of the delivery group gave me when we first met, <coughs> when we first and last met, and, uh, as, you know, as, as, uh, they're prepared to, uh, to, uh, because they gave me a blank check, basically, you know, and, uh, you know, within reason, I think I could have maybe you know gotten two three hundred thousand dollars out of them. I think you know I don't think if I would have put ten million dollars, I would have told me no and that fit. But uh, I think you know two three hundred thousand dollars, it would have been a reasonable assumption that you know for all my troubles and for the money spent and you know for for the time spent, et cetera, and you know get lost and don't come back. But then you know as I kind of looked at the check right, and I had you know kind of was twirling my pen in my in my hand and. I looked at one of the two characters, you know, and I, in my book, I call them Toodle D and Toodle Dumb. And I looked at one of them and I said to him, you know, you got to help me out here. How, how many zeros is one's freedom worth? And, uh, you know, they looked at me and they said, you know, Mr. Reston, have a nice day. You can keep the check as a memento. And I did, but, you know, I still have it. And if you actually look at that check, what's amazing about it is you need a magnifying glass to do that. But if you if you look at it, with a magnifying lens. And when I did, you know, somebody told me, I looked at it with a magnifying lens. I did. And I was like, wow. It's like you could see it says you build one world order, you know, from the bottom up one brick at a time. It says right on the check. But you can't see it until you get the, you get the magnifying. It's and, you know, it's, just like it's a game that these people play, and I'm sure when you go through. And it was actually the, the check itself was from a French bank. And I'm sure, you know, these are the check's, it wasn't like a special check. It was just a check from a French bank. And I'm sure that, you know, this is the kind of game that these people play with people, you know, the, the elite play with normal people. They, you know, you, somebody comes in and asks for a checking account. They give them a checkbook. But they don't realize that, you know, the checks that they sign, if they look at it with a magnifying lens, they get have these kinds of, you know, phrases which, you know, like, like way on left field the right field. But uh, when I saw that, and you know, I, would, I wouldn't have thought of, of looking at it because you can't see it with a naked eye. You could only see it with uh, with a magnifying lens. And somebody said to me, somebody who obviously knew, "You know, said, I know, you know have a look at it." Yeah,
1: I wanted to ask you because I know I know you would know this. Uh, how are they responding now? Are they? There's a lot of information coming out um, in different. Uh, you know, different uh, uh, reports stating that the 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 elite are getting very very frightened now about uh, revolutions, about uh, you know people, about uh, you know the toppling of governments, the toppling of their economic systems. Especially what, here. It, it's, well, here, yeah, definitely, but in Europe as well. What? What? But the Bilderbergs and the, um, you know, the the. the I, I wanted to ask too: at the, the Bilderberg, as the Council of Rome. Uh, the the uh, the the Club of Rome, are they part of the Bilderberg as well as are members part of the Bilderberg group? They must be.
3: ah well, you're gonna have a lot of people who are members of uh, obviously of uh, you know the Bilderberg organization who are also members of the Club of Rome. Um you know the Club of Rome is, is a different type of organization. Their you know their idea is is deindustrialization. Uh, you know, the they, they came out with this report back in nineteen seventy two called Limits to growth, which are, you know allegedly if you kinda of, you know project the trajectory of, of planet Earth's growth, then, you know, it's going to get to the point where basically we're going to deplete our natural resources and, you know, that's it. It bottoms up and, you know, the game is over. Except, what obviously, you know, they're not telling you is, is the fact that that only works in, the, in a world where, uh, you know, you don't consider the fact that, you know, us, human potential for intellectual growth and also intellectual discovery. You know, and when that happens, you know, obviously everything else goes out the window. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. But you know, what's what's interesting is, you know, kind of go back to what you said you know, about uh, whether the Bilderbergs are, are scared or not. It's a it's a difficult question to answer for for many reasons. You know, on the one hand, uh, I don't think they're scared at all because you know they have the technology and the money to. Invest in futuristic technology. So awesome, so mind-boggling that you know there's nothing we can do to stop them. And today, more than ever, with the technologies of today and the future, there's nothing we can do to stop them. But there's another element, and that element is kind of worrisome. It should be for anybody, really. You know, suddenly the the global elites they're faced with uh, with the reality of seeking to dominate populations that are increasingly becoming self-aware and developing a global consciousness. So you know, a population, for example, being subjected to domination in Africa, it has the ability to become aware of a population being subjected to the same forms of domination or dominion or control in the Middle East or in South America or in Asia, and so they can recognize that they are all being dominated by the same global power structures. And that is the key point. Not only is the awakening global in its reach, But also in its nature, it creates, um, I guess you'd say within the individual, this awareness of the global condition. So it is a global awakening, both in the external environment, but also in the internal psychology. And, you know, this new reality in the world, coupled with the fact that the world's population has never been so vast, it presents a challenge to elites seeking to dominate people all over the world who are aware and awaken to the realities of social inequality, war, poverty exploitation uh disrespect, imperialism, and domination, and so this you know directly implies that these populations will be significantly more challenging to control economically, politically, socially psychologically and finally spiritually so thus you know, from the point of view of the global oligarchy, the only method of imposing order and control on this unique and historical human condition is through the organized Chaos of economic crisis, war, the rapid expansion of and institutionalization of a global scientific dictatorship. So basically, our hope is their fear, and our greatest fear is their only hope. And I guess that's how you can look at it. You know, if you remember Charles Dickens, you know he once wrote, "It was the best of times; it was the worst of times." And you know, it has never been so true as it is today.
0: Don't you think, though, that the creation of fear itself? In the population is a great way to control them, and because they seek uh, authoritarianism, because then because those people will take care of them by increased police, increased no, surveillance. dictatorship, increased, yeah. Yeah. And and that seems to be the direction that we're kind of going in in this country.
1: We're being forced into. It. I don't think we want to go there, and I don't. I don't there's think a lot of fear do. developed just, uh, that, yeah, by the media. It's fear mongering that's doing it, but. I, no, absolutely.
3: About, no, absolutely. That's how it works.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about uh, it, that only because, um, uh, Brazinski, uh, about two years ago, I believe. I don't know if it was at a Bilderberg group or a trilateral mm-hmm. group, but he said that uh, he said before. I think it was the Bilderbergs, where he said that uh, that it was easier to kill a million people today than it is to control them, and. Um, that uh, that was kind of frightening because ever since then you all you've seen is an escalation of war and uh and genocide and and uh you, know, uh you know yeah you know pollution the chemtrailing you know all all these things are happening yeah, it to 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 the levels of uh of uh never never even imagined before you know so
3: well you know brzezinski has said a lot of different things over the years and uh you know, he, if you kind of go back to his books, such as Technological Revolution, the tech, Technotronic Revolution, it basically involved, you know, two major geopolitical developments. The first is that as technology and as the systems of mass communications rapidly accelerate and the world's people are able to engage in instant communication with one another and get access to uh, information from around the world, and in it lies the potential and ultimately a central source of a massive global political uh, awakening. But, you know, Brzezinski has also said, you know, he detailed in so in so many of his works and conferences, that his vision of a solution to world problems and creating the conditions for global governance, you know, he basically said, you know, they must do it incrementally for that is how to use their power intelligently. And the solution to the global political awakening in the view from the top is to continue to create the apparatus of an oppressive global government. And this is exactly what we have today. and Unfortunately, I don't see it changing anytime soon.
1: Well, I see you're, yeah, I wanted to commend you on that, on your last book too, the Trans Evolution, um, because you you talk a great deal about that, and um,
3: you know. Well, Trans Evolution is a kind of unique book because, you know, it's the first book out there in the world uh, that, uh, you know, creates this model, three dimensional model of a system that doesn't exist. You know, it didn't exist up to now. What I explain... How technology will change humanity over the next very short period of time, but not only from the point of view of technology itself but using elements such as space exploration, transhumanism you know uh genetically modified crop or food in general economy, right. and so on and so forth and you know you have to you know keep in mind that all these elements play a very important role, so basically in my this last book, trans evolution you know I explain that we're living the greatest you know, change in paradigm in the history of mankind and what's coming in the near future is forever is going to change the dynamics of the planet Earth. You know, the fact that our children, your kids who today are six, seven years old, they're the last 100% human generation of, of human beings, forgive the repetition, on the planet Earth. You know, their children, my grandchildren, are going to be a transhuman, That's post-human, human, machines, cyborgs, beings who are not totally human as a result of advances in, in synthetic biology. So, The very definition of humanity is going to change in the next generation forever and it's never coming back. And even now they're already changing where you have the cases of, you know, kids being born with, you know, DNA of of three different parents. But this is nothing what's, you know, what's coming next. We're literally going to see the things that we see in films today are going to, you know, they're going to be a reality in the near future. So, again, the whole idea of of transhumanism going from human to transhuman to post-human you know, this this change in paradigm of, of, of the definition of of a human being is going to become reality in a very very near future.
1: Well, I think I think when you when you look at the um, those the sci-fi movies like uh, the Terminator, uh, you know, and uh, um, uh, uh, other you know Judge Dredd and uh, a bunch of uh, 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 movies that uh, predicted uh, uh, Total Recall uh, that one. Schwarzenegger was involved with a number of those movies, but they—they—they uh, they, they, basically what you're stating in the Trans Evolution book uh, is what is what they were already proje- projecting. Uh, you know, that's uh, what they use Hollywood for. Yeah, to get you yeah, used that, that,
3: to that. what's. Well, to Hollywood exactly. Hollywood is—you know—I I know we're running out of time right now, but Hollywood has always been that. It's—it's it's an industry which is controlled by the elite, and the ideas of of, of Hollywood is. Is obviously prepare people for what you know for for the for the future that they have projected for us. It's again, if you control an industry like that, you do the same thing. It's normal, and uh, you know which which is how it works. And there's a lot of you know how, you know science fiction films out there, and and they, they you know not, not only do they predict the future, but you know but they project the future. And uh, and uh, you're talking about Judge Dredd, but there's you know there's Elysium, uh which came out last year. You know there's GI Joe one and two where you have all this super high-end oh, yeah. technology, which is now being, you know, put in action. You have another film called Prototype, Transcendence, Interstellar, where there's, you know, a problem with, you know, with food, and people have to go out, you know, to space to, you know, get food. Lucy, that's another film, you know, typical uh, of of futuristic machine. That's another one where machines are thinking, you know, thinking machines, and, you know, have their own protocol. Uh, Almost Human, which was an amazing series, came out uh, a year and a half ago. Unfortunately, you know, it lasted one year where, in the year 2048, you know, the world has become, you know, half men, half cyborgs. We have, you know, police, a uh, human being uh, who are, have to work with, you know, a cyborg uh, cop, uh, you know, as their partner. So this kind of stuff is is coming in the very near future. We not we don't have to wait till 2048. You know, in the next five ten years, the Russians and the and European Space Agency and the, and, and the Dutch. They're going, you know, t- you know, to Mars to colonize Mars on a one-way trip, you know, and so it's a it's a it's a, it's a vastly changing world uh, that people are not aware of, of how much everything is going to change around us in the next generation. Well,
1: but you but you also said this is something that you said. I again, I I repeat something you said in your book on trans evolution was that money uh, money was was virtually irrelevant. Um, in fact, I, I, I folded it here. It says, the yeah, well, you measures,
3: know, the money, money, money. You know, money has no intrinsic value.
1: statistical it. measures of money flows have uh, nothing to do with the actual forecasting of wealth. What affects the planet is the development of the mind of the individual, and I and then you go on and uh, elaborate on that, and I and I thought that was that was absolutely uh, that was prolific because um and profound because uh it's what it's it's actually what it is and, and you talk about the uh, uh engagement of the human mind, you know, and the advancements uh, all the scientific and philosophical and, you know, uh, advancements of the human mind is what really creates the wealth in any society. Um you know and uh I I just thought that that that, that shocked me in a way when I first read it because it it, it states, a reminder.
3: It, it reminds you that money is nothing. Money is paper. You know, it's it's not the money. Exactly, money money is paper. Listen, I want to thank you for uh, for having me on your show. Uh you know, if, again, if I can very quickly just remind people that they can go to a rocket hub and help us out with a little bit with a, you know, build a book documentary. Would greatly appreciate it. It's uh, I don't know where you are in the states, but uh, in Spain it's almost three a.m. Oh so, my goodness.
0: I'm sorry, I'm sorry
3: about yeah, that. Yeah, I stayed up to the interview, but I'm going to go to bed now. Well,
0: I hope you get a good night's sleep, and we thank you very much for being uh, on the show. We look forward
1: likewise. to
3: Likewise. Thank you. Sir.
0: Okay. Good night.
1: Good night, Daniel. Thank, thank you, you so much. <clears throat> Take care. Good night. And uh, that was Daniel Estuan, and um, he's doing a, a
0: documentary
1: on the Bilderbergs, Burbs. And uh, we're also... Um, he's also written a book on that, which is... Uh, yes, that's a major book that he wrote, uh, and it's called The Bilderberg. And uh, Trans Evolution was another book that he wrote recently, uh, and a uh, very brilliant book. And he's written, I believe, ten other books.
0: Yeah, he's... he's a, I think they, they so, listed uh, in here.
1: No, not all of them, But anyway, we want to... Uh, he's, we want quite to
0: a, he's quite a thinker.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's a reporter. He's yeah. whatever so, you know, just just know that uh, we appreciate his uh, his work and his uh, his courage for 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 doing what he's doing and, and exposing and uh, you know, um probably without without uh his, his research uh, and reporting we wouldn't know as much as we do today about, and about
0: I this group. I think uh, when you he talks about trans evolution, the coming age of human deconstruction, people are looking for immortality and they always have. Well, in their in their own way, they'll find it. That one. That's mm-hmm. how
1: that's how they're, they're finding it, and that's what the, uh, of course, the elite are are looking for. Or maybe
0: they've already found it and are not sharing it. Some are,
1: Well, they. You know. You know. You're still finding the people who are still dying. Yeah.
0: Okay,
1: those guys are still dying out. Or you know? So
0: they let. Us, so I they mean, uh, know. I mean, if anybody
1: would do it, you you've got uh, the Rockefellers and stuff would uh, would would have uh, immortal youth, but they don't. Um, you know, you'd think. Uh, George H. W. Bush, who's ninety years old, wouldn't be running around in a wheelchair if he was uh, if he thought he you know if he could run yeah, yeah. the
0: ravages of age. Yeah,
1: and uh, the same with uh, with um, uh, what's his name Kissinger. Uh, if anybody saw him recently, he's he's uh, wheelchair bound. Uh, he's also ninety, but you know he he may not have that much longer for the world. You know, yeah. Unless they put him in a in another body, but. um but, it's, uh, but, you know, these are they, they still can't beat time You know And, uh, you know, not yet anyway Well, so, they're trying to avoid the uh, Grim Reaper, I guess Yeah, you know, well, they're probably scared of death of the afterlife But, um, you know, if there's any justice in the world <laughs> If there's karma You know, which I know there is These guys get uh, a lot to uh, A lot to Illyria uh, A lot to be, yeah, worried about. So anyway, I was so pleased to hear the New York Times uh, calls for Dick Cheney and the Bush officials to be indicted for torture. Isn't well, that's
0: that good? that's yeah, good. Yeah,
1: war crimes. Yes, I was very pleased to hear that. And uh, let's see. Is that going to go anywhere? Um, I don't it, know. It, it came. Was, it, it was. It came out in the in the New York Times. So we're you know that's a step ahead of where it used to be. An alternative news. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've spoken up about it, but uh, oh well. Uh,
0: I wonder what made them bring them up. Bring
1: it up at this point. I'm curious too. Um, I mean,
0: the timing is, that, you is know, odd. It's very funny.
1: You know, because uh, the timing is very odd. Yeah. they never to, bring up anything
0: except. Well,
1: for the I reasons. think. Well, personally, I think it's to muck up. There was, uh, Jeff there, Bush's Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Trying, trying to put a um you know Well he had
0: to bust in people to CPAC to get a yeah, to get any well, so. the, same, the
1: same way with Netanyahu had to bust in all his uh, cronies with, with cronies there too. and yeah, from APAC. But it seems the world is starting to rise up against the Bush administration after the release of the torture report. Yesterday news broke that a human rights organization in Germany, with the aid of an international lawyer, were filing charges against the entire Bush administration for illegal, torturous practices on an in- innocent man. Now it's sitting here in America. The New York Times is calling for the investigation and indictment of the Bush administration for war crimes. Well, that's all good, but Mr. Obama, okay, uh, he, gave he, them tortured, a, he, no, he gave them amnesty. He, he gave them amnesty. Yeah. Okay, a, a pardon. Yeah. All. All right. So, uh, And in their blistering, hearty Monday morning article, Prosecute Tortures and Their Bosses, the New York Times editorial board is asking that the Department of Justice prosecute those who committed torture and other serious crimes, which includes former Vice President Dick Cheney and other major officials within the Bush administration. And the board referred to the torture practices as a vast criminal conspiracy under color of law, to commit torture and other serious
0: crimes. Well, they got a pass on it. Yeah, sure. And
1: he's continued the. Uh... Oh yeah, he's continued it, and Guantanamo is still around, and mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it's it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, but it's but one thing that's good, is they're coming out with it. You know, what I mean, at least they're they're expressing their angst. Okay. But the funny thing is, the Rumsfeld already had Rumsfeld, Bush, and Cheney. All of those guys are still been indicted by different countries. Uh, yeah, persons. they can't they travel. They can't travel without right? a huge contingent. Yeah, without them. even that. They got to get the hell out because uh, they're 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 being, uh, you, know, eh, you know, This is uh, this was uh, I wrote this the uh, the congressional reasoning behind the big turnoff for Netanyahu's speech today well, it was based on this uh, recently published study that f- smelling farts may be good for your health. Uh, you know, that's one reason that uh that they're there. The smell of Netanyahu. All right. The next time someone at your office lets out a silent but deadly emission, maybe you should thank them. <laughs> a study at the University of Exeter in English suggests that exposure to hydrogen sulfide, AKA what your body produces as bacteria, may be good for you.
0: I don't oh, know really about that. Yeah. I I, I somehow I, I get it. doubt that that's Really it causes writing. you to wrinkle your nose. Maybe, <laughs> maybe because you move faster. Yeah, maybe. But uh, um, it says here that... Uh, well, you've already produced this. Yeah, you read saying, that. Yeah, I know, but it's just uh, As bacteria breaks down food, <laughs> causing gas could prevent mitochondria damage. Yep, the implication is what you're thinking. People are taking the research to mean that smelling farts could prevent disease. A <laughs> study published in the Medical oh Medicinal God. Chemistry Communications journal found that hydrogen sulfide gas in rotten eggs and flatulence could be a key factor in treating diseases. Oh Although hydrogen sulfide gas is well known as pungent, foul-smelling gas in rotten eggs and flatulence, it is naturally produced in the body and could, in fact, be a health care hero with significant implications for future therapies for a variety of diseases, Dr. Mark Wood said. While hydrogen sulfide gas is harmful in large doses, the study suggests that a whiff here and there has the power <laughs> to reduce risks of cancer, strokes, heart attacks, arthritis, and dementia by preserving mitochondria, mitochondria, Dr. Mark Whiteman, a youth, uh, professor who worked on the study, said in a statement that the researchers are even replicating the natural gas in the new compound, AP39, to reap its healthy benefits. You could have <laughs> future therapies. You'll have to decide to your, for yourself, though, whether exposure to hydrogen sulfide flatulence is worth the potential health benefits. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, and with thought, that... I just thought you know, that we should end the show with an uplifting...
0: Nope.
1: Well,
2: right. Didn't you think so? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's our show
1: for tonight. Uh, we got about a minute left. Let's see if I can give you any more inspiring stuff. Um, oh. Here's an interesting one. Uh, John Boner's uh, Vayner. congressional opponent, Jim Condit Jr., calls for the arrest of Netanyahu on press TV. I thought that was interesting. He's the guy that's going up against him for uh, for uh, um, oh it's an election out. yeah
0: hmm?
1: and uh, well actually I think it's for uh, for uh, uh, speaker oh for speaker yeah. in the in the State of the Union address Congress delivered and on Tuesday night uh, the twentieth Obama said that he would veto any attempt of at Congress to issue more sanctions Iran.
2: We have another slap in the face to the American people, whether the American people realize it or not, uh, with uh, Speaker of the House John Boehner, uh, and, and the day after the uh, uh, State of the Union address by Obama, inviting uh, the President of Israel, the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin, <laughs> excuse me, Benjamin Netanyahu. To the United States to address the Congress. Uh, This was clearly done because Obama said last night that he would veto any sanctions against Iran. Now, what the American people don't seem to realize is that, um, you know, I, I, for instance, am not against our country. I was a, I ran against John Boehner for Congress this last time and lost. But um, I'm not against our country. I'm against the criminal clique that has taken over so much of the government, the media and the uh and 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 the 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 federal Reserve and the money parts of our country, and so what needs to start the american people start need to start looking at is whether office holders like congressman boehner and of course just about the entire congress, whether they are guilty of treason because they're aiding and comforting uh what is actually an enemy of the United States Israel hacking off the entire world, getting the entire world against the United States in order to give uh Israel everything at once. So Netanyahu is being treated kind of like he is the President of the United States. And we need him to come and straighten out the country by addressing Congress. Um the uh you know in nineteen ninety one Pat buchanan said on the McLaughlin report that the McLaughlin report that uh uh the Congress is Israeli occupied territory. The recently deceased Congressman James Traficant, who died in a somewhat quizzical accident uh, uh, said on uh, Fox News in in two thousand and nine that uh, the House representatives and the Senate in the United States were totally run by the Israeli lobby and he was banned from the media for the last major media for the last three years of his life. Congressman Paul Finley said that in uh, his book, They Dare to Speak Out in the 1980s. Uh, he 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 wrote the exact same thing. Senator Fritz Holling said we would have never went into Iraq if it wasn't for the uh, Israeli lobby right before he retired from the Senate around 2003. So what we have happening here is that uh, the United States is, is, is making an absolutely unreasonable demand on Iran. If I am in a country in the Middle East, and another country has nuclear weapons, then by any uh, type of uh, theology of a uh, sane religion, the just war theory, for instance, of St. Thomas Aquinas, that, that country would have the right to defend itself or be able to defend itself against a nuclear power. So if for instance Israel has a nuclear weapon, then Iran or Lebanon or Iraq or any other country in the region would have a right that to have nuclear weapons to defend themselves from an attack that they would have no way to uh to respond against. So um the the other things that should be mentioned in this in this context are that um the congress is is doing all kinds of other uh, dishonest things or or shall we say weighted things in favor of israel and against the the arab world and against iran when they're allowing they have for instance hr, uh, HR 83 which uh which which uh, said that the uh international atomic energy agency the iaea would have to let uh they they're pushing to have israel Participate, even though Israel has not signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation pro- uh, pro-
1: uh, Treaty. And they have
2: 144
1: nuclear uh, known weapons. Known weapons. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to. I can understand why he lost it to Boehner because a guy like this is a truth teller. A guy yeah. like this is uh, can't stand uh, Israel, and a guy like this, you know, would uh, upset the uh, the, uh, status, apple where, the, the ou, status quo, status quo, in apple cart. Whereas Boehner. You know, is pro everything. You know, so you know, what a that's way. why he's there. That's why he's there. So anyway, we want to thank everybody who joined us tonight. We want to thank our special guest uh, Daniel Estrin, uh From he was calling us from
0: Spain. Yeah, he's and, really uh, a breath of fresh air, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he really tells it like it is, and um, I'm su- I'm sure that documentary will be very interesting. I'm looking and forward to it. I'm sure it'll be enough. a fair yeah, presentation yeah. too. Well, he's not—he's yeah. not the hysterical type. He says, "No, but he's—he's he's as direct. as he's it is." Yeah, you know, and he's
1: and I'm sure there's been a lot of a lot of pressure on him not to produce this. So, I will—I wish him the best, and we—we—we uh, uh, we, we wish you the best, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night on our Union Night Show.
0: Good night, folks. Have um, a good night. Yeah, Enjoy good. the rest of it. Good night, everybody. We're getting snow and sleet here in Connecticut. Yeah, good night, everyone. Mm.